This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. On this episode, I speak to one of the greatest coaches in the modern game. Engaging, funny, always has a smile on his face. The players around him have a smile on their face. The Razor the hot stepper, the great, the wonderful Scott Robertson. Mate, thanks for joining me. Look how red I am. Today there's a heat wave, even in Scotland. I'm all red, so apologies. Shiny, I've not put makeup on for you. What did you mix out? What did you get to? I think in Edinburgh today we were at about 32, which is basically the tarmac's melting, effectively. So that, that's the joys of being in the UK, mate. 32? You don't do heat, do you? You just do not do it. Well, it's 32 in Scotland. It's 40-odd degrees in England over the next few days, apparently. Wow. So, Razor, bring your flip-flops, mate, because all the rumours are is you're heading over. So bring your flip-flops with you. Where am I going this time? Well, I don't know. You're all over the media at the minute, and we can get into that. I'm not here to try and get some ridiculous headlines but there's a few things that we need to talk about so firstly thank you mate because i know we've been trying to get this in for a while uh, and i know you're a busy man well i say busy you're on holiday now right yep just finished just got back from fiji uh been over to sydney for the weekend watched the aussie england game caught up with a couple of mates uh we start our reviews in a couple of weeks or three weeks actually and i'll get a new knee next week actually i'm going to get a, a total knee replacement i had a Eight knee ops on my on my right knee and my playing career. Oh, old Uncle Arthur arthritis sit right in. You know, it doesn't bend too much and it's hard to sleep at night. So get a new one. Well, I love how you've started the podcast with an excuse because that was going to be the question because I didn't want to be horrible, but you looked slightly stiffer and more laboured in the last dance celebration that we saw. So you've got the excuse out of the way. Was it sore during that celebration? It looked like something weren't right. I know you slipped, but something weren't right. <laughs> Yeah, chuck it all out there, Jim. 
Yeah, I, uh, it's getting shorter and I'm reluctant to get onto the ground just with the knee, but this might resurrect it, you know, like it's a bit of a celebration that's sort of come by default really. It never been planned and it just turned into um, something probably bigger than I ever expected, but I'm happy to do it. If you get a result, I'm happy to do a bit of a jig. Well, the issue that you've got, Razor, is normally celebrations come around every year, right? Because that's how season cycles fall. So it's not as if it's happening and you're lubed up every single week. It's you, you wait in a year. You, you know what I mean? A lot can happen in a year when you age. I'm better at 3am in the morning, I tell you that. I, I, um, yeah, I, it's quite interesting. It's actually, if you don't do it, which I didn't one year, that was the hardest thing. Even I had more questions why I didn't do it than, than doing it. But Oh, look, it's a great tradition. It's part of it. Um, look, I don't want... Sometimes you have a big breath and go, okay, what am I going to do this time and how is it going to roll? But your focus is on the game, getting the result, and then you just make some shit up as, as the music and the chant starts. What happens with that, Razor? Because obviously there's pressure on you with the dancing and stuff like that, and it's great that you're one of the great characters and you allow yourself to do that. But you know when you look into the players' kit bags, I don't know whether you do, but one of the things they bring for the final is a pair of boots, a gum shield, and now we're seeing these ski goggles going as well. Like They're backing themselves early, aren't they, some of these players now? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all prepared for afterwards. Went out and bought every ski goggle, goggle in Christchurch. There was none left. But you went and got all the staff one. Oh, it was amazing. So I went and asked the manager to do it. Blew the budget. And then and then the boys just, when they came in and, and the goggles were there, it was just, it was a pretty special moment. Um, look, we only did it on one and done, but a few boys chuck them in just in case. Exactly. Well, I, pe- I think the people in the shop were thinking everyone's off to Queenstown. There's no... Mountains is there. In Can- I lived in Christchurch before, just to put some kind of context to that. I lived near Papua Nui Street, above a subway. You're on to it, yeah. There you go. Played for Marist Albion. Oh, back in the day, so you know the, you know, the, know the place. We're pretty unique, you know. You can surf and ski in the same day. The mountains are about an hour away from here. We've got some nice snow on the mountains at the moment. The, the, the water temperature's down to 12, which I'm still surfing at the moment. You know, just put another layer on. Um, it's pretty unique. It's a cool city to live in, as you probably can. Or can you remember what year did you play? It was 2001, and I was at Leicester Tigers at the time when the greats were there. So Martin Johnson, Neil Back, Roundtree, uh, Cockrell. I went there for an apprenticeship. They sent me to Marist Albion, played there, and I trained at New Brighton Gym at David Tour's boxing gym. And my training partner, Razor, my training partner was the great Wayne Smith every morning. So I was in the boxing gym with him every morning. So he was phenomenal. Um, So my love of New Zealand goes back a long way. I mean, I grew up on the streets of Coventry. It sounded like I'm from the hood, but eyes wide open. Actually, no, it wasn't 2001. It was 2005. That's what it was. And one thing that really surprised me, Razor, it might be a little bit different now, is some of the, the lads, I mean, Richard McCall was coming back from concussion. Like some of the All Blacks would go back and play for their team. Uh, we had a, a 15 Ben Blair. Is that still a thing? Do the lads still go back to their local clubs? Because I, I, I thought it was an awesome thing for them to do. Yeah, they do. They come back and it's packed. You know, sideline, you've got normally a couple of hundred supporters. You get into the thousands straight away and they just draw a crowd. And I think that's the grassroots part of what makes New Zealand so great and, and part of our history is that 
you're always connected to a, a school, then a club, then your province, and now Super Rugby, and then and then All Black, and it always goes back to all the old boys go and watch their school play. And then my club was a second division club, actually Sumner, which is out by the beach, and I was playing. It was two weeks in between a test match, and we were playing Scotland. I think it was 2001, and was in Carisbrook. We'd knocked out of Super Rugby early, and I hadn't played a game, and I went and played for Sumner. And Steve Henson or Shane comes and watched, and we were playing. And, and you, Brighton, as you know, they were. Um, they pushed the rules heavily and they're from the other side of town and I came off the back of the scrum and the seven came out and just tried to foot trip me. Did absolutely nothing to do with his hands, arms, shoulders, just came into a big foot sweep. I sort of jumped over, kept my feet, kept running and um, bang, got a head high, rolled down, placed the ball, got up, you know, blood nose. It was, mate, it was absolutely brutal. They just had a number of target on my head and then time Steve Anson walks on and goes that's it son you had enough you know you've got a test match in a couple of weeks but you play for the club that's what you do you, 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 I didn't even hesitate um, to go out there and play I, I did after the foot trip but that's what you do it's what is expected and it's a part of us we know that New Zealand is isolated right and there's a beauty in that and there's a romance in that but as a coach who's at the helm, not that it's easy, but it's almost a bit of a repeat for yourself. But you look at the competition at the Premiership, you look how competitive the URC was in the first time with the South African teams, uh, the European Cup, which is a huge prize. And I suppose people are wondering now, maybe like where, you know, where do New Zealand now fit in that? Is the competition strong enough to make you better? That's a great question. Uh, it is a good question. Sorry, something <laughs> I can't answer. Oh, there's no doubt. It's quite interesting. Probably the hardest one is Aotearoa, the first one we won. The, the competition aside, but we want to be in the World Cup champs. We want to go and play Leicester Tigers. We want to play La Rochelle. We want to play. We want, you know, we watch that rugby just like you do. We're rugby, we, rugby people. You know, you watch the big games. Obviously, you know Ronan pretty well, so um, giving him a few peppers along the way. But we want to go to that next step and level as well. But when we played eight games against Kiwi teams week after week, that was the hardest final in regards to, you know, performing multiple All Blacks in every team. Every time you go somewhere here in this country, you know, they, they love to, I don't like to use the word hate, but there is respect for us. But, you know, to beat us, they won the comp really every week. So everyone, every week, like a final for us. And to win that was, was extreme. But, we, you know, we do miss the South Africans. We do miss those opportunities to go away. We do, uh, we'd, we'd love to have a, a position at the end of the year to have a World Cup champs just to, to keep pushing ourselves. Having played against the All Blacks, and I remember there was a few changes because it was only Scotland, and I remember walking into the line-out and Richie McCall was in the middle of the five-man line-out wearing number seven on his back, calling the line-out, like obviously just making it up. And I thought, here we go. Like, mate, throw it in, go on. Go on, Richie. I'll, I'll put it on me, put it on me. Anyway, the ball goes straight over the top and the All Blacks end up scoring anyway and they beat us by 40 points or whatever it was. Without a line-out is what I'm saying. When I watch the All Blacks play, there seems like the shift of the game, like you started it in terms of the physicality, the offloading, the counter-attack, that kind of brutality around the breakdown. Everyone else has caught up. That's what it feels like. I watch Leinster play, we watch Ireland play, you watch England play, sometimes you watch the French play. But what other teams seem to have now is that kind of grounding around the line-out, the drive, the maul, the scrum, these kind of boring parts. And I go back to this time when I played against New Zealand 10 years ago, and there wasn't a huge emphasis. That was the only part of the game where we had slight dominance. And watching the game now and the fact that you just mentioned you're going to miss the South Africans, where do the New Zealand teams get challenged in that area apart from 
the top-level internationals where we're seeing, which, if I can speak frankly, and you might be able to tell me if I'm wrong, that is the kind of area where they seem to be lacking is around the set piece. Am I right in saying that? Is that a fair comment, do you think? From a Crusaders' point of view, we put a massive, massive amount of effort into it. You know, we've needed more try scored against us in the six years that we've been playing. So I pride ourselves on that and ourselves us and the Brumbies in the top two about more tries. Um, Jason Ryan's an exceptional fourth coach. He's done a lot of work with Rob McBride. He, he He's always reaching out to the Northern Hemisphere and, and looking ways that we can get better. So we're, we're a step ahead of the rest. And uh, for, from a Crusader point of view, uh, yeah, but from an All Blacks point of view and probably in New Zealand rugby point of view like some teams as part of it they love it we haven't got probably got the wall skeletons or the the likes uh but you know the mindset is good there we've spent a lot of time but probably the margins and what's required for especially in international rugby it has to be a, a fundamental you have to have players that love it and it has to be so well coached and you know if someone's pushing over your, your line um from a mall it's so psychologically damaging to yourself because you know you live off that stuff so let's talk a little bit about the all blacks then like where they are because it's easy isn't it to point inwards and be like oh look at the all blacks they're not the team that they were because when you're at the top everyone wants you to fail i've been in teams where it's been like that i was at saracens and obviously everything that happened around that and everyone wants to say ha look at you and you look at poor ian foster it seems like it's a non-starter for him it's like it seems like the media don't want him to succeed. What is that a thing in the media just in general in New Zealand? It's, by the way, it's the same for Eddie Jones. Like as in the media in England don't want him to succeed. Gregor Townsend, everyone wants him gone, you know. So it seems like a normal thing, but I think the spotlight because the All Blacks razor have been so good. Do they want to keep? Let's start in the positive, eh? What? Could- of Andy Farrell. Andy Farrell. They're happy to keep him at the minute. <laughs> oh look it's a tough thing. let's just talk about coaching in general I think like as a, as a head coach and I'm wanting to aspire I, I, fortunately as a, as a player I went through a lot and I had multiple injuries I was in and out of the All Blacks I was dropped on my peg in, in the All Blacks I didn't go to the you know, 2003 rugby up hurt oh, deeply to me for me at that moment, it took me a long time to get over it. Um, you know, I went and played rugby in France for three years and, and then played a year in Japan. But what inspired me to coach and, and understand how, you know, tough it could be is, you know, the great Wayne Smith, as you mentioned before, Steve Henson, the Robbie Deans of this world, they, they taught me the game. They taught me the love of the game and the passion to actually give back and be part of a team. Now, what I love is just being part of a team. And look, I wanted to play for all of them in different ways. And that's what I just wanted to do for as a coach is want my players to play for me. I've had all these philosophies in life, you know, like you're on the Kalem environment where you can get the best out of your players as a high performance player. I've had all those catchphrases, but I've basically brought it down to just want to be a coach players play for. Because you've got the technical tactical, but if the mindset is that we'll go to a place that that's required further above anywhere I've gone before, deeper than I've ever been. You know, I can get the game part right. I've got world-class assistants here at the Crusaders. We work tightly together. We've got all that aligned. I think sometimes that the players the, and the coaches and the media and that see it and they can sort of feel that. Look, I've had, you know, some great success and I've had some, you know, tough moments along the way. But if I go back to that, that's the biggest thing for me. Because when I played from that, I always would trust the coach and that's what I'd love for my players to say. And I think, you know, like you can say that about Farrell moment don't they they just they love him you can see it was um he, he leads it pretty well he's, he's got a great um manner he's got a good aura about him he's not a man of he looks pretty relaxed laid back he's a man of few words but in awesome respect um and he's, he's obviously got a great talent yeah do you see ireland as the number one team or for, is there a part that still sees france i know in the world rankings it is ireland as number one but do you think off the back of 
beating the All Blacks in New Zealand, that kind of cements them as number one. Does it matter? Is it a thing? Or would you still put France up there if you were looking at a World Cup tomorrow, which is hypothetical, which is a bit of a ridiculous question, but just because of the moment we're in now? Yeah, probably uh, currently, well, it depends where they play is one thing. Uh, I think Ireland have just proven they can win on tour. You know, we just know that the French probably haven't been great on tour as previous, but now they're in their own country danger a little bit. I think what it realises is actually comes to the day um, when you have those big games. So the flow into it, the ref you've got, the injuries you've you've had, the preparation going into that moment, it's, it's, either one of those could be number one on the day. I think that's the depth of squad they both got. You know, look at maybe if Johnny Sexton was injured, you know, that could change a little bit. You normally, he comes down, sometimes it can come down to a, a one one player team where you, you're so reliant. But what I love about both of them, and we track a lot of the, the, the French side of it, is they're big, they're physical. You know, you've got a six that can play seven. You know, they've got a six foot five, six foot six, big humans. There's so much off the cuff and instinct side of it, whereas... You know, with with Ireland, you know, they're, they're six, seven, eight phases deep and got double guys wrapping around with these short balls and it feels like they just wink into each other and the cohesion's so high under pressure that they can go deep in the face count where the French are just picking and going and uh, and, and DuPont will just back himself and, and feel it. So there's two contrasting styles, but on the day they could beat you. Yeah, absolutely. Razor, I think it's really interesting how you mentioned about the motivation around players and players wanting to play for you. I always, I actually had Fabian Gautier and not many people wanted to play for him when I was at Montpellier. He was just, you know, he was bigger than the team and he was and he was bigger than the game back then. But as you know, I was at Saracens. What I found at the club there is Mark McCall was at the top of the tree and then they had the coaches, Alex Anderson, Paul Gustard, uh, Kevin Sorrell, Joe Shaw, uh, Ian Peel. We had such a good relationship with the coaches, as in they were like mates, they were like teammates, albeit not on the field. That made us want to play for them. So the way in which the man management was done then, Mark was different. Mark was at the top of the tree. But if you could just give us a little bit more in terms of like how you do motivate players and how you motivate teams, because you can see, yeah, and it's easy when you're winning, and everyone's around cheering you, and even if you slip and you're a bit stiffer, but that you could just see the love that the players have for you. Like, how deep rooted does that need to be? And how, I know it's the million dollar question, but like, how do you get that? Like, where do, where does that start? And like, how do you keep that so deep rooted that when people speak about you when you're 85 years old, it's the first thing. It's a smile, as in they're filled with, yeah, you know what? As in legend, and and I've had coaches where I run through a wall for them, like I would. So. It's uh, it's great to have coaches like that, and, and I know ones are different. But what what is it for you? How do you do it? I've got my boots, by the way. So if it's if this is a good team talk, I'm coming over. If you want me, we <laughs> barbars, November the thirteenth. Well, I was the ultimate barbarian as well. Mickey Steele Bodger said. <laughs> I bet you were. I bet you. Were. I think. It's a really hard question. It's probably one for the players to ask rather than myself. But uh, look, firstly, myself, I'll be myself. When I came down here from Mount Manui as a 20-year-old to be a Crusader, I was the first year of the Crusaders. My dad, old man said to me, just be yourself, son, and which I have the whole time. I think that being authentic and being, who my, being myself, you know, I, I still do all the things I loved when I was young. I still enjoy and, and shape pressure in different ways and, and create environments where, firstly, the boys have a lot of fun. You know, we, we, when we're on, we're on. When we're off, we're off. I can... Making out of myself because the boys take it out of myself plenty as well. You know, they, they you know, they're hobbling around and, you know, they take the piss out of them dance. Some of the stuff, you know, and they, they 
put a whistle on, they run around the field like because I can, I can, you know, I sort of skateboard around the field and they sort of comes in behind me and they dress up like me and put wigs on. And like, it's good. It's fun. They can take me. I, I see as a sign of respect, you know, that, that they can do it and trust me that I'm not going to go and, you know, react to that in a negative way. Like I mentioned, all the coaches I've had, all the learning I've had around, like I coached NBC for uh, nine years. I was five years assistant and then four years head coach. Um, I came straight into coaching after I played. I was pretty, pretty clear by the time when I took over the Crusades in 2017, how I was going to run it, what coaches that I needed around me, what skill set that was going to create a, um, you know, cover it off because I'm dyslexic and, and because I'm a real big on models, just simple words, and I'm not a wordy person, I'm a storyteller by nature. Uh, we theme a lot of stuff, all our defences around theme, all our tech. Um, so the boys know that they're really clear. I've done it for so long now, I know what I want. But my point is, what I love is I walk love around walking around the gym in the morning when the guys come in. Um, I love chatting to them when they've finished up, you know, between sets, checking in how them and their wife is, their new bubs, how things are going, how's their, their study going, how's it just how's life, you know, and connecting those moments in each week. And then I'm good at looking at early warning signs and looking at guys if there's anything you know, oh, she's a bit off or he's a little bit different to who he was probably a feeling or, you know, like his form might have dropped or, you know, where's that smile? So the connections and relationships that you can build because then the guys know the touch points and you're connected all the time. Then I just, I know them quite well. We get all our boys' personality tested here so we understand not just how they learn but their style of thinking. And then I, so I've got another, a little bit of a deeper root understanding of where they've, um, they come from and how they are, but I'd also I always talk about, you know, I'm going to do the best thing for the Crusaders, I'm going to make tough calls, um, and I've done that before, you know, White Crockett, 202 games, you know, biggest game of, you know, the Crusaders, probably history game for three in a row, and I, I never played them, or didn't start them as off the bench, I can make those calls as well, but the boys respect you for it, so look, I hope I answer your question, but people will be about relationships, and the ability to go, look, I can get the rugby side of it, like, but you've also got your spine off the field. So I've got a great chairman, CEO, general manager, myself. So, you know, those four of us are really critical. We're aligned. And then myself, my captain, the two vice captains, um, and, and Richie Mawanga, we're really, really well aligned as well. So when you get that spine right, right through from off the field, um, you can have tough conversations. You, you have conversations that are right for the group that have been had. That's when I think you get the whole organisation. I, I, I'm one I'm really good at is the me we stuff, bring everyone in, not just the team, but from marketing, commercial, community rugby, uh, to the families, to the partners, to the commercial, the sponsors. I get everyone in and that's what I love and enjoy and I think that's the power, yeah. Razor, I'm trying not to smile here because people will be listening to this like I'm interviewing you for a job. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, sound me the dream. But I, I think it's interesting because I know some of them character traits are about you just through speaking to people about you because you would engage in, obviously, we had the little dance-off uh, when we were at the Barbarians a few years ago. and I like interesting people and characters, but the most amazing thing, listening to what you've just said then, is around the people first. And a lot of people we think in the game of rugby, bravado, you know, hard men, alpha men, testosterone-fueled men, which it is. But as you know, as I know as a player, I've got mates that are coaching uh, at the highest level. I've got mates who are still playing. Like the lay of the land now with social media, you know, with the concussion stuff, with the money in and out of the game, you know, where is the game going? Like how important you know, is it trying to get it right with these young men? Because there's so many different influences and so much, I suppose, bad stuff 
when you look at the media and you look at the concussion side and the stand down periods that they have, like all that's t- it's so different to what it was in your day. And then I was the generation after you. The care factor was one of our trademarks that we, we talk about as, as a crusader. You've got to care and care deeply and why you do things and wh- wh- why you here and why you love it. Because if you if you don't care, you're not going to put your shoulder through someone, are you? you when your head go, your sh- goes, your shoulder follows. And if you hesitate and you're going at it for, for a reason because you care, then I do a lot of work with the academy store. I do a lot of work with the younger guys. I always meet the parents uh, of them that are coming through before we sign them to understand where they've come from, what kind of kid they are, what's their principles and values from a young Māori boy or Pacific Island boy to a or one of the local guys that I've, I've known, you know, watch a lot of school rugby here. And then you just get a little bit of depth and understanding of what drives them, what they care about. And then when they come into the group, you know, who their peers, who do they hang around with, what makes them happy, are they into golf or are they gamers or, you know, they surf, you know, I surf with a couple of them. So it's quite cool. You know, you've got so much different sort of personalities that you can you get to get to know them, they can be honest with you. But you also, like I said, the early morning signs and understand if they're not quite right, that, you know, how you can help them along the way. The game side of it, I'm lucky because... I've been around the game, I said I've done a, a massive amount of time as a young guy, I understand on and off field what the environment that's supposed to be required. I'm good at selecting staff. I've been through enough interviews and I understand the personality that's required to compliment me. I'm a great starter, but not an awesome finisher. So I just get people around there that finishes because I'm thinking about the next idea. Like I'm a bit of a visionist, futurist. I understand really looking about what can happen in the future. I, I can deal now, but I'm always trying to make sure that I'm a step ahead. There's not too many variations in rugby. There's, there's a lot of copy and paste, but with a need in it and then it becomes yours in it. <laughs> I'm always planning and, and, and trying to look forward and, and, and look how we can be better all the time. I like to have a smile on my face, be really consistent when you come into work. But this is a, this is an interview. This is a job interview, isn't it? Mate, that's exactly what it feels like. Talking to job interviews, I was going to pick you up on something that you said at the very start, that you were in Australia during the Test Match series with Eddie Jones. Was it a job interview or not? People want to know. I mean, Eddie's job is up for grabs after the World Cup, especially now he's going to the World Cup because they beat Australia. But is it something you'd entertain or is it just a, a, a two coaches in Australia of all places because they're down there and you've decided to go there and not stay in New Zealand and have a longer holiday? Like, I mean, it's short, raise it, there's conversations, are you keen or not? Oh, look, I, I, um, I caught up with Eddie, but there was, it wasn't about anything to do with her in the job. It was more, um, well, he texts me and we have a good, good relationship. He's always watching rugby and stuff. So I just caught up with him briefly and, and, and had a chat. But my best mate lives over there and I went to the game with him, took the, the, the wife over and oh, it was just a great experience. It was good to get away from Sydney for the weekend. And um, look, what I learned from last time, especially around the, the All Black stuff, where at Henji, you have to keep your options open. It's a, it's a professional game. And I'll probably a little bit more, you know, like it being really clearly focused and, you know, like, it's one job, but, but when someone doesn't give it to you, you have to think differently. You know, you have to think well, what what opportunities are out there. You know, like I'll be coming into my seventh year as the Crusaders coach next year. I've loved it all. I've had it's been incredible, but no one lasts in a job forever. So I'm I'm open. That's probably probably the way I can answer it. Uh, New Zealand rugby want me great. If there's another club, or country that probably country, so I wouldn't go to a club now. I really want to go to a rugby world cup. Jim, I want to go to a couple. You know, I'm 47. I'll be so sort of 40, I'll be 52 by the time the next sort of Rugby World Cup comes around. You know, you know, I want to get to two or three and really test myself or push myself. So I'm open here. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. 
Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Yeah, well, that I mean, absolutely, that's not speaking for you, but that seems the natural evolution from where I am. And obviously, the media hysteria. What about your mates or anything? Are they giving you, they must give you a bit of stick with all this happening, not to laugh at the All Blacks' demise, but there's a natural thing, isn't there? You're coaching the best club in New Zealand. You've got X number of championships. You weren't far away from getting a job before. Ian Foster's under pressure, whether or not he is under pressure, but from a media standpoint. Like, and then there's talk of the England job. What are your mates wanting? What, what are they texting you? Don't do it, do it. Why are you with Eddie? <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the sort of, the, the, the band that goes on a little bit. Like, I obviously I don't do any social media, never have. Um, just didn't like the way it felt. I, I got on Facebook once back, I think it was 2003 when I was on Pippin' and I woke up and there was about three or four people, you know, invites or trying to you know get in touch with me and like two or three of them I never wanted to speak again to so I found it really hard to say no to them I said no that's it's done I don't want to have that feeling so I haven't had anything to do it I'm not really big on the media I've got someone that looks at it and will feedback like I'm aware that's a big part of the job um, a lot of information comes from and, and the tone there's some real good banter boys are like um, we'll come and visit you in Park Lane or you know or whatever club wherever it goes you know you're tagged to somewhere sometime and that's part of it because it's Part of what the media does, uh, they're all Kiwis. They want to see me in. Yeah, of course they do. Um, Eddie Jones got called a traitor at the weekend. That's done the rounds on social media. I don't know whether you're aware of it. And then he's actually gone for the lad. He's like he's actually gone from the What's crowd. Wrong with news, mate. What do you reckon? Aggressive, isn't he? Oh, well, man. Razor, you say that he got called out by some Glaswegian lads, some Scottish lads, and he didn't even flinch. He he didn't want it because I think he thought that lads from Glasgow in Scotland are probably slightly more violent than the Australian guy with a, a boat hat on or whatever he had on. 
But what would you have done if he, if someone called you a traitor? Like, do you think it was too harsh, or do you think he? Do you think there's a part of Eddie without speaking for him? I don't know. Obviously, Robbie Dean's was the same. You know, if you're an Australian coach in England, or you're a Kiwi coach in Australia, or vice versa. Do you think there still is that kind of patriotism that is amongst the crowds and stuff like that? Or do you think the game's moved on professionally so much now? Basically, what I'm asking, if someone called you a traitor, what would you have done? That's probably the answer. Oh, oh. Mate, I would probably, oh, oh, I probably wouldn't have said, come down here, mate. Come down here. I, I knew that, that, <laughs> this guy, come on. I probably wouldn't have got that, but I would have probably squared up and had a look at him and, and just made him aware that, you know, it, it meant something to me. Hang on, hang on. Mate, it's a professional environment. I'm getting paid to do my job. I'd coached Ozzy before. I had been loyal. Mate, I'm not going to do one job forever. But I would have probably realised that, mate, that, that's, you've crossed the line. I would let him know. Probably, yeah, that was here we go, mate, on the road, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I that was... Yeah, more... by the way. You used to play for air. How? How? Oh, I was uh, playing over in New... No, I was playing in Ards in Northern Ireland, and then they'd finished, and um, got a call to go over and play. It was incredible. It was a great time in my life. You know, it was free. I was still 19 years old, well, 18 years old. I left school early to go over and play over there. And, you know, they used to pay me um, maybe in 50 quid if I scored a try. I mean, I tell you what, there's a lot of show and goes. <laughs> oh, it was... But I realised I, I scored two or three tries and I thought this was great. But they got it over the bar in the first 20 minutes, you know. It was straight away. Everyone asked, mate, I'll, I'll buy you a beer. The 50 quid just went gone. But, look, it was it was awesome experience for me. I, I loved I loved air. We used to go up to, to Glasgow and there's a little boat on the river that we used to go and drink on, like, on a Monday night. It was it was random. Um, we did all the Six Nations matches and Five Nations back in those days. It was, it was great fun. What do you reckon of the Six Nations? I know it's we're, we're segueing here, and I asked that because there's talk of South Africa coming in at some point. Would that just be shocking for the championship, do you think? A two-part to that question, do I, do I love Six Nations? I love watching it. Oh, I love... Why? The history. It's really clear. It's just such a simple comp. You know, everything's one flight away over there in Europe. Stadiums are full. There's so much history and passion. And each week the job is on the line, isn't it? Oh, I think the uniqueness of the comp competition, I love it. I love I love building and preparing teams. I love, you know, I love finals footy. And it feels like there's a finals element to it each week. Um, and there's a lot of expectations. Oh, I just love to prepare a team to play on it, firstly. And the, uh, would South Africa go up and do it for South Africa? How good would that be? How good for the comp? I'm not sure. You know, it obviously it adds extensions because of buy-in. Or if you could manufacture it, oh, I think it probably could take it to a next level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Razor Ronan Nogara. You mentioned him yeah. and with, with a smile on your face. I mean, he's obviously done a phenomenal job. What kind of coach is he? He seems, actually, I have a bit of interaction just messaging back and forth, which for me is lovely, and had a night out with him in Paris years ago with Metkovskin and got a bit loose. But what's he like as a coach? Because he seems, like yourself, he, he's at the top table with options, I imagine, taking La Rochelle to a Champions Cup final. Is he someone that you'd like to work with again one day? Yeah, oh, look, we've got quite a cool relationship, actually. Uh, Ronan and I, the way it worked, I, I needed someone like him, someone who'd been in Europe, understood the kicking game really well, which the Crusaders, we wanted to work with Richie on. Because he came over, he was a little bit cynical about life, really, when he first arrived. You know, there's a bit of skepticism. He talk, oh, I don't think it's going to work out that way. And I'm like, mate, what if it does? You know, like, I, I'm really optimistic. And he, he just saw things differently. I need that, you know, like, I'm... I, I, I need people with risk management. He wasn't quite there, but anyway, the balance of it all, we ended up sort of coming in as a combination. 
he, he built great relationships with the players. Um, you know, he talks openly about how his time down here, his couple of years with us, it helped him. But look, I'm coaching the Barbars with him. We talk regularly, he talks and asks how to shape a season. You know, what do you have to do in the off season? We, we talk about a lot of those things. Um, he's a real smart, he's a great rugby mind, but he needs good people around him, which he's starting to get right. is really, really critical. But would I coach with him? Yeah, I would. I love that he's become a head coach. He's got a little bit of charisma, and for whatever reason, players trust him. And that's hard. You know, you have mates, don't you? And you have coaches, like we're talking about your people, but, you know, for people who trust you, and it comes quite quickly. Oh, I know Rochelle took him a while to establish what he was doing, and the whole group, you know, it's a mixing pot playing in France with the players that they to buy in in your first year as a head coach or, you know, been around for a couple of, um, for him to do what he's done is pretty special. Yeah. Any other ones? Who would be your dream team? Like I'm, I'm t- At the minute, I'm trying to put together the next England management team or the next all-black management team, just in the future at some point. Is there anyone else out there in the, at the top table that you like? I'd love to work with him. Like, he's unbelievable. Well, I've got my What's- mate, Josh Ryan. He's incredible, you know, forwards coaches I mentioned before. So I'm just trying to think, is there any other positions? that I, I've really enjoyed what Mike Cat's done with, with Ireland. You know, it's pretty special. Uh, yeah, short passing game. Like I said, the work off the wall that they do. Ron McBride, I'd love, mate. I think Steve Borthwick would. I just thought, I just love the way he gets his teams. It's got they get clear identities brought back less to to to, to the peak in there. Is you know, we're going to maul, we're going to scrum. But we're going to put pressure on you. We're going to kick you in the corners. We're going to defend. But they, you know, it's obviously they, they can play a bit when they need to as well. I think he's pretty special in his own unique way. Oh, there's a few. Yeah, if, I, I tell you what. If you could get Steve Borthwick to dance, I will get a, my whole face tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> that might be three or four o'clock in the morning after a couple of shorts yeah. on the bar, mate. Why are we? Uh, well, even if that does if that does happen, then absolutely will. And then just lastly, there's a there seems to be a divide now between Northern and Southern Hemisphere rugby, which has never been there before. Go based on Ireland, obviously the All Blacks, England, Australia, albeit it was closer. You know, Scotland got robbed in Argentina. Not really. I'm I'm joking. But how does that come back? I know there's a year to the World Cup or so. Do you think that that gap can be bridged again or even reversed? Uh, yeah, oh, 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 look, look, I mentioned before around, you know, on the day and leading in, the depth, these injuries on the ref, there's a lot of things in momentum and, 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 and footy. It's quite interesting. You need a lot of things to go right to win a championship. That's what I've learned. You know, you know it's easy to say when you've, you've you've got six in a row, you need your best players to be healthy. You, you need to be on a good run. You need to have confidence in your group. You know, you have to be the incredible defensive group that shows the care side of it. Um, and you have to have leaders and experience that deal with pressure. But you also need a really aligned coaching staff and experienced coaching staff that the boys trust intimately. You can see that with Ireland. You can see that with France. That's probably why they're favourites. Uh, but it's a World Cup. You know, it's you're going to have big moments. You, you can have upsets if you don't prepare well. You, you have to have game breakers in your team. You have to have try, absolutely genuine ones try scorers that can just create or finish um, and the All Blacks have got that oh, for sure Aussie have got that too you know like watching them I love I love Kirabidi and Karibi they just appoint a difference for them um, I'm not answering your question at the moment but is it divide a little bit further? Oh, I think the performances to win away is huge um, doesn't happen often does it yeah I was going to say, Razor, one thing that I've noticed or I noticed even when I was playing four or five years ago, I retired, but the IP sharing, everyone wanted to go to New Zealand. We need to get to New Zealand. What are they doing? What are they doing? And it's almost like you've given too much. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, as in, even the players are coming over now. They're coming to France younger. They're coming to Europe younger because that's where the money is. Do you think that's a cause for concern? Do you think that that's been an issue? Do you think it is an issue? Too many people come over and too many players leaving early? Uh, uh, yeah, w- without generalising, I, I, I think so. Like, the rugby, the world's pretty small. Uh, we've had coaches come through. Oh, I catch with them all the time. We have Zooms, we have conversations because we're not in the same competition. We're not a direct threat, especially from Super Rugby. You know, we did some great stuff with uh, Lesto and uh, Stuart. Uh, I'm just trying to think of our other guys that have come through. You know, we've had, you know, Pat Lamb send these coaches over. They spend two days with us at times. We've had Saracens come in. We've had Alex Sanderson in for a week. Like, I've been over there with them. But it's all well and good. Like I was saying before, you have to be a step ahead. Like, you have to actually be looking where the game's going to go. Doing what you're doing now, but make sure that you're slightly ahead of the trend. And I think that's the art of being a really, really good coach. You've got to be open. You can't close up shop because then you don't learn. And there's such a fine balance between the, with the two, probably overshare. Yeah, you know, and people do that and they tell you way too much stuff about your life. It's a little bit, I didn't need to know that. It's probably a little bit like with, with the rugby side of stuff. You, you've given everything you, you need to, but not more. But when someone's in the environment, I love it. I love that stuff about rugby. I, I think it's incredible. My biggest learnings are actually from league, rugby league. Like I get to have a week with the Storm or, or with the Roosters. And from me, from the start of the finish to the week, I, I, I went copious amounts. The way they do their leadership on off the field, the way Craig Bellany runs their group, or more importantly, Frank Panisi works with them. That's so invaluable because you get your rugby stuff, you might have little tweaks along the way, but league's a different game. It's a brutal, tough, physical, you know, no set piece, so 40, 50 minutes of training's out of them for them. They just spend so much time on contact, hard, square work. I, I, I love that. That's a bit of gold. Every year I always do an off-season and go somewhere. I think we're going to go up to, before the Barbars go through Europe, might do a bit of ice hockey stuff, Cirque du Soleil, just to see how things are run. Totally different different game, but still the same principles around leadership culture in their game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Razor, one of the best in the business. I won't take any more of your time. Are you going to give me your dream job or not? Because it felt like there was an interview process going on there. Can you hit me with your dream job? What, what's your dream job? Like, as in, when it's all said and done, what do you have wanted to have done at the highest level? Yeah, yeah, I want to win a Rugby World Cup, but I want to win it with two different countries. Like, that's, I've said it, I haven't said it very publicly before I have now, but I, I think that would transcend. I think it would be great to, to win a Rugby World Cup with your own country, which I, I want to do. That's foremost thing, but I'd love to do it with another country. Not sure what order it is. I'm not sure how that plays out. Those decisions are not mine. They're somebody else's decisions, you know, but I'd love to be able to do it to win two and have a different expectation, different culture. Um, you've got to adapt to the group that you're, the country that you're coaching and get the best out of them. I think, you know, when you look back and someone goes, mate, how did he do that? Like, right, that's pretty special. He's won six and or multiple, seven championships, you know, with, with his club and then gone away and done it. And I think that would people go, oh, okay, he's... He's got the group. Players will play for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know that you could be sixty-eight. If we, I don't know what the World Cup cycles will be, I might have got the age completely wrong. But you might be dancing at the age of sixty-eight if that actually comes around. So be ready is all I'm saying. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Hey, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8am. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. 
I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 